An independent voice is moving on from the U.S. Senate. Welcome to the week of January 1st. This is Grand Divisions. I'm your host, Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. Happy New Year, everyone. This week, we have a special edition where we did an interview recently with uh, U.S. Senator, departing U.S. Senator Bob Corker. Um, I did it on January 7th or December 17th. All the time is messed up in my head. Uh, What's the day? (laughs) December 17th, uh, which was a flurry of a day where we heard uh, that uh, U.S. Senator Lamar Alexander wasn't going to be running for re-election. And we also heard that Governor Bill Haslam was considering running for that seat. Uh, So that day I sat down on the phone uh, with Bob Corker, who is in uh, Washington, D.C., and we talked about everything from the prospects of a uh, shutdown of the federal government. At that point, he said he didn't think it was likely, uh, which what day are we in at this point? Day six or so? Uh, uh, as of as this the recording. Time of this recording, yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, it could be done by the time you're listening to this, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> So um, we, Bob Corker and I also talked about his, what he perceives as his legacy, um, his relationship with Donald Trump and whether, uh, I asked him whether he might challenge Trump in 2020. He kind of evaded that question among others. And also uh, his thoughts on the transition to Marsha Blackburn, who is set to take office on January 3rd. So uh, here's about a 20 minute interview and we'll come back and do uh, the news of the week. I know you, you have a busy schedule, and you've only got, what, how many days left in office now? Well, we've got uh, this week probably, I mean, we'll finish Thursday or Friday, and then I come back up to walk uh, Marsha down the aisle, if you will, on January 3rd when she's sworn in. So probably out of here Friday-ish, and then, uh, and then I won't be back except for that one day, and it's over. So. so it sounds like to me you're not counting on a government shutdown. No, I, 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 I think I think that's all silly talk right now. So, and as I tell people, I'm kind of losing interest in it. I'm just kidding you, but <laughs> so so tell uh, me. Yeah, no, it, it, and even if it's not going to happen, but no. even if it did, it wouldn't be much of one. So obviously, going into this year with you know the departure of of Bill Haslam from the governor's office, your uh, decision to not seek reelection, it was already going to be a landmark. Uh, you know, sort of sea change in Tennessee politics. But now with uh, Lamar Alexander not seeking a a re-election, that makes it almost a complete change of, you know, what used to be uh, kind of this this line of Republicans such as yourself and and obviously uh, Governor Haslam and, and Senator Alexander. What do you think Tennessee is going through right now as a state and in terms of political shifts? Yeah, so, so you know, I don't know what will happen uh, in the race for Lamar's seat, but let's think about it. I mean, Bill was term limited. He couldn't run anymore. I told people when I ran I was going to serve two terms, or I couldn't imagine serving more than two terms. And Lamar's, you know, 78, be 80 years old on Election Day. So I think it's a timing. Uh, it's just a time when, uh, you know, all of us have, have – uh, uh, Hopefully, giving it our all, and it's uh, it's, it's time for change. Bill could, uh, you know, you know, Bill could. I, I have talked to him, and I know he's thinking about this. Uh, it could be that Bill ends up running for Lamar's seat, but 
I just think it, it happens to be, uh, uh, you know, uh, just a, a timing thing where where uh, there is change, and certainly with change, there's opportunity for others to step up and and uh, serve in the Senate. And Bill Lee's now taking on the governorship role. So, um, you know, again, we've been doing this for a long, long time in our state. We've had a lot of great governors and. Uh, We've had a, a lot of uh, great senators, and, and, and that will continue. As you look to, to you know, leave office here, um, you've done a lot in, you know, your time in the U.S. Senate. What do you kind of view as your, your top accomplishments? You know, I really haven't. Uh, I, you know, if you remember, Joel, I came in uh, during a pretty heady time, heady time when the sure. war in Iraq was going uh, – not going so well and there was a surge and then we had the financial crisis and i played an outsized role as a new senator coming in to deal with that uh uh, one of a handful of folks who were focused on that with the administration and then the auto bailout occurred and and, uh uh we uh that's really where the nation in many ways was introduced to me I, i was able to play a significant role and helping reshape the auto industry uh, without passing legislation. And, um, you know, as time went on, as you know, I I almost didn't run for a second term, but did, ended up being the lead Republican on foreign relations. And and, uh, that's obviously a place where uh, most of my work is done. But we've everything from... Uh, reforming food aid to uh, electrify Africa to PEPFAR reauthorizations to leading the effort to end modern slavery to the Build Act that most recently passed that will change the way we we deal with uh, uh, it'll cause us to be far more effective in the way we deal with other countries and helping to spur them along. So, so um, look, hopefully, uh, it's been that I've been a uh, you know, I've, I've been a very, I don't know how to say it. I've, I've, uh, uh, I've, I've, I've gotten my uniform dirty on every play, on almost every big issue that our nation has dealt with. I've been in the middle of them and, and uh, you know, trying to move our country ahead. I've, you know, worked to solve our fiscal issues, and that one uh, obviously <laughs> – you know, has been been one that still lingers out there, but it's certainly been a focus of ours. So, so I, I don't know what what you would say my legacy has been, but I've done the best that I can, and I leave here knowing what a great privilege it's been to serve our state, and uh, have have been willing to to take on the tough issues while I've been here. Are there any regrets? Things you wish you had done differently, or things you wish you had you know taken up? Oh, I, I, you know, regret just generally speaking over 12 years that as a country, um, right after the financial crisis where we had so much trouble with our financial institutions, I really thought there was hope. I really thought there was hope for us to, to more fully deal with our fiscal issues. I did 66 town hall meetings across our, our state uh, trying to advance what was called the CAP Act. Uh, to cap spending at a certain percentage of our GDP, um, uh, 
then I wrote a soup to nuts bill to deal with our mandatory spending programs and and it, it felt like there was a period of time when we had a chance to to make headway on our on our fiscal issues but as a nation I mean I've, I've given it my all as it relates to that as a nation uh, if I have regrets it's that our country uh, has been unwilling to to deal with that issue hmm. You know, more recently, everybody kind of – not everybody, but a lot of people associate you with being a critic or one of the more vocal critics of of President Trump. Was that, uh, you know, a a sort of conscious decision or is this an extension of, you know, as I've heard from folks, they say that you're willing to criticize people on both sides of the aisle, you know, whether that's – and work with people on both sides of the aisle. Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. I, you know, if you think about it, I, I've worked with three different presidents, and I have strongly supported the things that I thought they were doing that right, and and you know, and and opposed uh, openly and publicly uh, when I thought that uh, the direction they were headed was wrong. So it's been that way with three presidents. But I've also, as has been mentioned, I've been willing to to reach out and and work with people on other side on on you know the other side of the aisle to solve problems. So um, I haven't been afraid to, to work with them or I haven't been afraid to, to oppose them. And I think that's what Tennesseans expect. I mean, I've been a very independent senator for 12 years. Um, I feel like that that's what our citizens have, have wanted in a senator is, is an, a strong independent voice for our state and for the country. And, uh, and uh, I just, felt like that uh look i i i see people up here joel who are over in the left ditch or over in the right ditch and uh, and they burn absolutely zero political capital i feel like you work in these positions hard and you you gain political capital and the purpose in having it is to use it to solve our nation's problems and to me the people in washington that have courage are the people who who stay out of the right or left ditch and are willing to reach across the aisle and to solve our nation's problems. And in doing so, know that they're burning up uh, capital, if you will, as they do that. But it's just been what, to me, I was sent here to do. Um, Obviously, um, it's been a privilege to be here, and I want to do everything I can to be constructive in moving our country ahead. Do you think that many of your colleagues in the Senate share that same mentality? Well, some do and some don't. And, I mean, uh, you know, uh, some do and some don't. And, you know, one of the things that I think Tennessee has had, generally speaking, through the years is is people who have been willing to do that. And that's what has caused our state to be uh, um, really uh, our state has benefited from that and obviously you know I'm a businessman I came up in a I mean I I was in a rough and tumble business uh, throughout my life I came here with uh, to deal with tough issues and and uh, and hopefully um, have shown the willingness to do so. Do you have any concerns as you look at your successor, Marsha Blackburn, entering into office, that she is not going to have that same approach to governing? You know, I think I think you know when people have been in the House and she's been over there sixteen years, and 
you know, she's developed certainly a lot of knowledge about federal issues. I think when people come to the Senate, they find it to be uh, a different place, in some ways more freeing, and uh, you have a six-year term. Um, and so I think it'll be interesting to see. I'll tell you, we've been very impressed with uh, the way that she's handled the transition. I'll just tell you that. I have complimented her and her chief of staff many times for the way they're going about the transition and the way they begin to settle in. we've uh, She's been to several meetings with all of us. And so uh, I have to say, I'm, I've been impressed with the way that she's coming into this office. And uh I, I I certainly wish her well, and and uh, and, and I, I wish her very I wish her well as she moves ahead. I I saw an interview you did last that aired last night with Casey Hunt at MSNBC. Uh, at one point, you said that politics should not be about tribalism. Are you concerned that the the Republican Party under President Trump, which you know he he's held these rallies where they decry the press and the Democrats, is that a pure form of tribalism in your mind? And is that just limited to that party, or do you think that the uh, the hearings over uh, Brett Kavanaugh were kind of an extension of the the tribalism that Democrats had? You know, Joel, as I leave office, I guess I I. I don't want to focus so much on all of that. I, I what I really, um, I mean, I, I understand that that's what uh, a lot of folks want to focus on today, and I tried to steer a little bit away from that last night in the interview. Sure. But but look, um, we're 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 in a we're in a period of time of 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 let's face it, uh, you know, a good deal of polarity and. Um, the two sides are, are, you know, it seems, uh, uh, you know, the two sides are having, having additional difficulties in finding common ground. And Tennessee has always had senators who, who, who seek to, Tennessee has mostly had senators who seek to find common ground. And, um, it's been, uh, it's been, a, it's been again, and that's, that's just been the hallmark of, of what we've had in people who've served in the Senate mostly for many, many years. And so um, that's uh, – I'm, I'm proud of that, and I'm proud of our state for wishing that to be the case, and uh, I hope it continues into the future. What's next for you? I mean, are you – I know you haven't discounted the idea of a potential – run for president uh could you see yourself challenging donald trump in a, a primary you know joel i i can honestly tell you that i have absolutely no idea what i'm gonna do uh i'm gonna walk marcia down the senate aisle on, on the january 3rd about noon i think and she'll be sworn in um i'll get on a plane uh and head back to tennessee and i have absolutely no idea what the future holds you going to do more yoga and bike riding and things back in chattanooga <laughs> well i did do it before i came up today uh, <laughs> i uh i uh i i will certainly do some of that but i i don't plan to to slow down i might take just a little bit of time to to think about things and to think about what's happened over the past uh, uh many years of public service and to see just to think a little bit about what is the what the next chapter should be, um, 
but I really don't plan on, uh, I don't plan on slowing down. If anything, um, I hope this next chapter is the most active, productive chapter of my life. As you leave Washington, D.C., what are sort of your main concerns about the state of, of, you know, American politics right now? Well, um, it, it's, you know, I, I, I've served with three presidents, as I mentioned, and it seems that in each case, we just kind of, of course, President Bush had been in office six years when I came, and so his agenda was pretty well laid out. And then, you know, um, President Obama came in and was, you know, was not was determined to to be not Bush, if you will. And President Trump came in, and he's determined to be not not Obama. And and I I just uh, uh, I hope that as we move along uh, in some some certainly difficult times politically for our country. There'll be a greater, greater desire by, by those who lead to seek common ground and, uh, and to really put in place policies that will stand the test of time. We, we've, uh, um, we are a great nation. I think our great days, our greatest days are in front of us. I spoke at the East Tennessee state university graduation this Saturday and, it was just, you know, thrilling to see these students come in and get ready to receive their diplomas and move ahead. I truly believe that our best days are in front of us, and I hope that in in the in the public domain there'll be a much greater effort to seek common ground, to build on what predecessors have done, and to move us uh, uh, every step of the way in a forward direction. You have uh, obviously challenged the president on multiple occasions, but uh, what's your relationship? How would you categorize your relationship today with him? Uh, neither one of us uh, hold back, but, uh, you know, it's uh, – and, you know, look, as uh, uh, I'm going by to see him as I, as I leave here, and I'm sure we'll have a, uh, a frank but warm conversation on Wednesday. Uh, do you have any concerns about any issues related to him and the the Mueller investigation, the Michael Cohen, you know, prison? Yeah, sentence? you know, I I'm just not a I'm just not an expert on those kinds of things. I I, I certainly listen when Senator Burr, who's the chairman of the Intelligence Committee, gives an update. You know, at our at our at our weekly meetings, um, I pay attention when when uh, some of the judiciary members make give us updates, but I'm just, I don't know enough about what has occurred to, to know whether it's something that is serious or not. And I read the same publications that you do and certainly I'm staying abreast of it, but I just don't, uh, I, I, it's just not my area to be able to weigh in in an appropriate manner. Sure. What are you going to miss the most about being in the U S Senate? Well, I, I obviously, uh, you know, I'm, I miss, I'm going to miss our staff. Um, uh, a, a group of incredibly dedicated, hardworking, patriotic folks who get up every day and and do the best they can to move our country along. I will miss that. I'll miss working with people all across our state, like yourself, but so many others that um, uh, I've had the great privilege of working with. And no doubt, I mean, I've had a, especially as chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, I've had a voice 
uh, to be able to weigh in on issues that are important to our country, but also important to our world. And uh, let's face it, uh, you know, while I'll still be able to weigh in on issues, it's nothing like doing so as as a U.S. Senator and as Chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. So no doubt uh, uh, to be to not be able to weigh in on issues that I care about deeply, uh, I will miss. But, uh, but again, uh, what a great experience it's been. Um, I've, I've, I've done the best that I can, and uh, um, I look forward to, uh, to you know, the people who come after carrying the baton and moving things ahead and me, me participating in our, uh, you know, me participating um, in a different way. So that was Joel's interview with Senator Corker. We are going to actually have a, a legacy story of sorts dropping on Corker later this week, hopefully. Uh, we've talked to a number of people for that story, mostly focusing on Bob Corker's time in the U.S. Senate, not so much what came before that. Um, but from 2006 onward and what his legacy is, I have spoken to Jimmy Haslam. It's the brother of uh, Governor Bill Haslam, outgoing Governor Bill Haslam, who was college roommates with Bob Corker. Um, I've, I've spoken with Bill Friss. He's the former senator whose place Corker took in the U.S. Senate. Uh, also spoke with Tom Ingram, who, in Tom Ingram's words, sort of helps in the last-ditch effort to get Corker um, in the U.S. Senate when things weren't looking so good for him in his race with with Ford, Harold Ford Jr. Um, in 2006. Uh, Tom Ingram kind of came in and they were they were down by about 10 points uh, in late September and, and they barely won. Um, but I did talk to a number of people um, about that and, and sort of the the legacy I keep hearing from everyone, what Bob Corker um, maybe is most known for is not so much these spats with Trump, but I, I keep hearing people mention uh, a lot of the behind the scenes work he did do during uh, the the recession and the financial crisis and the auto bailouts and and how he sort of distinguished himself as a senator who who would stay up late making calls. Unafraid to, of work. Yeah, unafraid of work. He would stay up late making calls. He would he would sort of schedule these tutoring sessions for himself with people in these industries uh, doing stuff that people on maybe even more relevant committees weren't doing. I went back and, and read a story in the archives that in the first month he was in office, he uh, decided that he wanted to go to Iraq because he wanted to get to the bottom of what was going on on the ground in the Iraq war. And uh, the, while he had briefings with Secretary of State uh, Condoleezza Rice and President Bush, he wasn't satisfied. So he said, you know what, I'm going to the, the horse's mouth. And he did two trips in his first year in office. And so I, when I was talking to Lamar Alexander about that, he basically said, yeah, he's one of these people that roll up their sleeves, get the job done. As I think Corker said at one point, get the uniform dirty and, uh, you know, uh, really uh, just do what they need to, to get done. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a lot of what I heard too. So we'll have that story coming out later this week. Of course, the transition from uh, Bob Corker to Marsha Blackburn takes place January 3rd. Uh, we will be covering it from afar. We're not going to be in D.C. Uh, USA Today Network does not have a D.C. reporter anymore. So uh, we will do our best to to cover that transition because uh, it's going to be a historic one. Marsha Blackburn is the first female U.S. senator from Tennessee. We've put in an interview request with her office. So hopefully we can provide you with some context or audio of that interview. Uh, as we look back to the final days of uh, Corker's time in office, 
office, it was marked with uh, uh, yet another spat with the president yeah. on social media. One last what was one that? to cap it off. <laughs> um, so, of course, you know, Corker has said this whole shutdown is unnecessary and it's it's it's. It didn't have to happen. It, As it did shouldn't Lamar have happened, Alexander. Of course. Uh, so last week, uh, over Christmas, over right? Christmas, yeah, the president tweeted a couple things about Corker. He his first one was Senator Bob Corker just stated that quote. I'm so privileged, and it looks like he misspelled privileged. That's tough. It's a to, tough word. It is. It's a hard one. To serve in the Senate for 12 years, and that's what I told the people of our state. That's what I do, serve for two terms, end quote, and then Trump adds. But that is not true. Uh, not and true are both capitalized also. <laughs> Wanted to run, but poll numbers tanked when I wouldn't endorse him, dot, 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 dot. And then... Um, a little while later, he follows up with the second tweet. Bob Corker was responsible for giving us the horrible Iran nuclear nuclear deal, which I ended, yet he badmouths me for wanting to bring back our young people safely home. Bob wanted to run and ask for my endorsement. I said no, and the game was over. Hashtag MAGA. I love Tennessee in all caps. A um, couple of those things need to be corrected for the record, uh, <laughs> especially, you know, uh, people on the Corker camp always balk at the Iran nuclear deal, deal element and uh, that he wasn't given enough credit for what he did on that. Uh, another thing that I, I think, you know, that is that the president alludes to is that he at, or, or Corker essentially asked for his endorsement and he wouldn't do it. That didn't happen. From what all reports are saying, uh, the president did want Bob Corker to run again, uh, despite the fact that now it appears to be the other way around. Yes, for the record. Um, And then, of course, Bob Corker, quote, tweeted Donald Trump's tweet. He said, yes, just like Mexico is paying for the wall, dot, 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 hashtag alert the daycare staff, which is a reference to one of his tweets uh, months back in which he he said that the, the White House was an adult daycare center. All of this is playing out in the background of uh, Bob Corker and others on the Republican side of the aisle saying, we're not going to do this shutdown over the border wall funding. So obviously uh, there is a little bit of hurt feelings, maybe on both sides, uh, saying, you know what, uh, I want my way. <laughs> the other side saying, no, 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 we got to keep you in check. Um, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. The government has the very real possibility of not open, opening up again until Democrats control uh, the House, which would be very interesting and almost, you would think, be a non-starter for this border wall fund. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We will, of course, you know, see what uh, Marsha Blackburn is going to say about all this when she's sworn into the Senate. So we'll we'll keep you guys posted. Of course, the other big thing that's hanging out there is whether uh, uh, Governor Bill Haslam will run for U.S. Senator Lamar Alexander's seat. Uh, he is kind of the first and and major name that people are waiting for uh, that decision to to you know become a reality whether he's in or w- whether he's out. Uh, he recently told the Associated Press right before Christmas that he wouldn't make his decision until after he is out of office, which uh, again is. That is going to be January 19th. That's when... That's the inauguration of Governor-elect Lee. That's when Haslam hands off the keys to government to Bill Lee, uh, who also, as of this recording, uh, recently made some news here. So if Bob Corker has to walk Marsha Blackburn down the aisle, does that mean Bill Haslam has to walk Bill Uh, Lee down the aisle? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Um, uh, But speaking of the Lee administration, what was their most recent announcement here? Oh, yes. This is... Fresh news at the time of this recording, 
just dropped in the inbox. So they have, or the governor-elect has appointed two more cabinet members. He's already done that with several others. Uh, both of these have to, they pertain to the military and veterans. Um, for the Department of Military, the commissioner is going to be Major General Jeff Holmes. And the Department of Veteran Services is going to have Courtney Rogers. She's a retired lieutenant colonel. She also has uh, served in the State House of Representatives. Rogers was certainly one of the more outspoken, I would say, uh, further right um, Republicans in the last couple of sessions. Uh, she was a critic of several uh, initiatives. I believe she was a no vote on Governor Bill Haslam's gas tax. Uh, I'd have to check that to be sure. But um, it, it certainly is one of those more curious appointments uh, that he, that Governor-elect Lee has made so far. The other ones have been kind of ho-hum, not too big of surprises. Um, this one certainly it came across the inbox and, and uh, gave me a little bit bit of eyebrow raising. Yeah, we haven't had time to to ask the the Lee people yet, you know, what went into this decision and and why these people. So, we'll we'll see what we can find out. So, as we look to the weeks ahead, of course, the the legislative session is coming up uh on on January 3rd, we're going to have this legacy piece of Bob Corker as the lead or as the uh Governor Haslam to uh, Governor Lee transition happens. We're going to have a similar piece on uh, Bill Haslam's time in office. But in between those two major events, we're going to also be setting up the legislative session that begins on January 8th. Uh, we plan on, uh, you know, having full coverage on our website, uh, in the newspaper, and of course on the podcast. So we will continue to bring coverage of all those upcoming events. And probably a special legislative themed podcast next week. That's what we're hoping for. That's the plan. Provided uh, all things fingers crossed <laughs> uh, in the meantime thanks again for listening to uh, the latest episode of grand divisions which is available every tuesday uh, you can find it on itunes or spreaker wherever you find your uh, latest podcasts uh, the podcast is also produced by erica whitney and john garcia uh, as usual, we appreciate any comments, uh, anything you want to share with us online, you can reach us on Twitter at Grand Divisions 3, and um, you can catch us next week, but we appreciate your continued listenership and uh, look forward to the new year. Thanks again, and I'm Joel Ebert. And I'm Natalie Allison. We'll see you next week.